Well, I'm excited to be with you today, and I want to begin by uh, the title, and if you got the notes today, it's simply this, Why Missions? Why are we talking about this? Why are we doing what we did today? You know, a lot of people look at missions as like it's an option. You know, we can either do it or not do it. Maybe we want to, maybe we don't want to. But what I want you to understand, it's not a take it or leave it. And I'm going to show you from Scripture today, it's a take it or lose it. And see, God, God so wanted us to understand missions that I think he does something incredible in the book of Acts, okay? And so we're just going to go from chapter to chapter, and we're going to do it pretty quick, okay? So I want you to see how God lays out for us why missions is so important. And what we're going to see today, we're going to see how the Jerusalem church had everything it needed to do the mission. But it chose not to do the mission. And because it chose not to do the mission, the Jerusalem church no longer exists. Okay? So I want you to see in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, and we find in verse number 8, we find that they had a mandate, but they didn't do the mission. Let me explain what I mean by the mandate. We find in the book of Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16 that the Lord Jesus lets the the Jerusalem church know what they're to do and how to do it. In the book of Mark chapter 16, they were to preach the gospel to every creature. That's what they were to do. How are they going to take the gospel to the world? Matthew 28, make disciples. That's how you do it. But there was another question. Where do we do it? Where do we start? How far do we go? And that's what we find in Acts chapter 1 verse number 8. Look at what he says. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both. Now circle that. If you don't already have that circled in your Bible, circle it right now. He said, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, why is that word both so important? It means to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth all at the same time. I'd like to have a dollar for every time I've had somebody down through the years come up to me when I've talked about missions, especially when I was a pastor, and say something like this. Well, I'll tell you, pastor, we have needs in Decatur, Alabama. We need to be reaching Decatur, Alabama. And you say, what did you say? You're right. You're right. And let me tell you something, Temple, we have to reach Coleman County. And we have to reach Coleman. That is our Jerusalem. But we don't stop there. While we're reaching our Jerusalem, we're to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Because here they are. They had the mandate. They knew, by the way, let me tell you, the hardest part of any project is knowing where to go with it. Amen? What's it going to look like at the end? And God so lays it out. They have a mandate. But they don't do the mission. That's in chapter 1. In chapter 2, to do the mission now, they have the multitude. Listen to how it goes like this in chapter 2, verse 6. The multitude 
came together. In verse 41, and the same day the Lord added to them about 3,000 souls. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good lick, wouldn't you think? Then it says in verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Do you realize that Jerusalem church not only had a mandate, they had the multitude. They had everybody they needed to get the job done. There was no lack of volunteers. I'm telling you right now, you know, pastor, uh, he, he thanked everybody that volunteered last week. But let me tell you that Jerusalem church, they had a multitude to get the job done, but they didn't do the mission. Then we go to chapter three. By the way, when you see these chapters laid out like this, this is the greatest coincidence in the world, or it is what I believe, God in heaven making sure we don't miss why missions. Because we go to chapter three and they have the miracles, but they don't do the mission. You know, in chapter three, Peter and John are going down to the temple. It's a time of prayer, time of worship. And they go by this gate, and there's an old boy there. He's asking alms, alms. And old Simon Peter looked at him, and he said, Silver and gold have I none. Now let me say this. We can't say that anymore. We can't say that anymore. We have plenty of silver, and we have plenty of gold. But he said, Silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He grabbed that old boy who had been crippled all of his life, and God healed him. And he went running through that temple running and praising God. You know what it represents? They had the anointing of the Spirit of God. Guys, let me tell you something. When you have the mandate, you know what's to take place and how you're to do it? When you have the multitude, you have all the workers to get it done, and then you have the anointing of God. My soul, why would it not happen? But they did not do the mission. Then look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, we find in Acts chapter 4, verse 34 through 37, that they had the money. They had the money they needed. The Bible said, neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. They had the money. You know, one of the reasons Pastor Malcolm shared with us just a moment ago about building the churches. You know, our greatest need right now is not workers around the world. Our greatest need is to have the money to them so we can train them. That's our greatest need. It's the finances. But the church at Jerusalem, they had all of it. They had the mandate. Are you with me? They had the multitude. They had the miracles. They had the anointing. And they had the money. Why in the world did it not happen? Why did it not happen? Do you realize there's consequences for disobedience? There's consequences for disobedience. Now watch chapter 5. This church that had it all. They could have been the greatest church ever in the history of mankind. They could have taken the gospel to the world in just a matter of a couple of years. It could have been incredible what they could have done. They had the multitude. They had the mandate. They had the miracles and they had the money to get it done. But they chose not to do it. So what happens now in chapter 5? Sin comes into that church. 
They become a sinning church. Look at, look, look at it with me. They become a sinning church. In Acts chapter 5, you know the story, Adonis and Sapphira. They sell their land and they bring their offering. Now, let me just clarify something for a moment. This wasn't communism in its earliest form. Nobody had to sell their land and bring it to the apostles. Nobody was forced to do that. When, when they did it, they did it out of a free will, a free desire. But what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? They sold their land for a certain price and then they come and, and they lay it down and it's not what they sold it for and they just literally lie, Peter said, to the Holy, about the Holy Ghost and to the Holy Ghost. And sin came into that church and because of that, they died. They died. You see, when we disobey God's command, we turn inwardly. And when we turn inwardly, we will sin and we will lose the blessing of Almighty God on our lives and on our church. And listen to me. Listen close. We cannot be neutral. Let me say it again. It's not take it or leave it. It's take it or lose it. Say it with me. Would you say that with me? It's not take it or leave it. It's take it or lose it. So they become, in, in chapter 5, they're a sinning church. But now look if you would. In chapter number 6, they're a striving church. They're fighting among one another. I mean, it's incredible what's going on. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 6. The Bible says here, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Do you know what's happened? When they lost the vision of reaching the world, they started counting biscuits and potatoes. They're worried about, hey, listen, those Greek, those Greek widows were saying, hey, 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 those Hebrew widows, they're eating more than us. They're eating better than us. They got a bigger portion and they're fighting. Have you ever noticed that what churches fight over, how stupid it is? How stupid it is. You know why we fight over carpet? You know why we fight over parking lots? You know why we fight over what somebody wears or doesn't wear? You know why we fight over music in the church? Because we have lost the vision of taking the gospel to the world. And so what happens to them? They become a sinning church. Secondly, they become a striving church. But now look at this. Like I said, it's either the greatest coincidence or God's laying out a pattern for us that we'd better wake up and listen to. Now we get to chapter 7. When you get to chapter 7, you know what happens in chapter 7? They allow one of their leaders to be stoned. The Bible says in verse 57 through 59, and they stoned Stephen. They stoned Stephen. Now, let me, let me just stop and get this in your head for a moment. Where are the disciples while Stephen's been stoned? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country. And, you know, if, if you showed up uh, beating on one of my brothers, you'd have to whip every one of us. I'm just telling you if, you, if you, if you messed with one of us, you had to whip us all. And my sister could fight better than all of us boys. But anybody picked on my sister, somebody, uh, there was four of us to kill them for doing it. But Stephen is being stoned. And where's Peter? Where's James? Where's these guys? Let me tell you what's happened. They are in hiding 
with Stephen's persecution, just like they were in hiding when Jesus was headed to the cross. Are you with me? You see, guys, when we, when we lose the vision of taking the gospel to the world, we lose the value of the fellowship. We lose the value of the family in the church. And so they're a sinning church. They're a striving church. They're a church that allows one of their greatest leaders to be stoned. And then look at chapter 8. Again, here it lays out for us what happens. They're a scattered church. Look at verse number 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Do you know what God does? God scatters them. Now, wait a minute. Did God ask them to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? Did he? Did they go? No. So what did God do? He scattered them. He moved them out. You know, I'm telling you, as I, all those years I pastored, I thank God for pastors that I had that, that, that I had the privilege of pastoring. But I'm telling you right now, if I'd have ever had a group of preachers that should have been out doing something, huddling around me, I'd have scattered them. You know why? Because God will scatter them. God means for us to go and to get the job done. But they wouldn't do what they were supposed to do. So what did God do? God scattered them. Let me tell you, that's the end. That's the end of the Jerusalem church as we know it. And I'm going to show you. Do you realize the Bible said in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents? One had five. Remember it? One had two. One had one. I'm talented. Did you notice how I did all of that? <laughs> one had one. The guy that had five, what did he do? He used them what God gave him. Amen? The guy that had two, what did he do? He used them what God did. And the guy that had one, what did he do? Do you know he was a Baptist? You know, his, you say, well, how do you know he's a Baptist? Because I pastored so many guys like that, it was scary. Oh, I, 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 I just buried it. I didn't, I didn't want to lose it. I just buried it. And somebody said, well, one talent. I mean, do you, know, do you realize how a talent was worth thousands of dollars? Very valuable. And do you know what? He not only lost it, do you know what God did? God took the guy that had ten... And now he made him 11. Amen? He gave him enough. Listen to me. God is a greater investment than the Jews on Wall Street. God is looking according to, to, to the Old Testament prophet. God is looking to and fro for a man. I think God is looking for a church that will have their heart right toward him. And his heart is that God so loved the world. Buddy, when you start loving what God loves, look out, look out, look out. Something's about to happen. Amen? So what happens here? They're a scattered church. Now, what's God going to do? Well, he takes what he'd given to that Jerusalem church, and he's going to give it to somebody else. It's right here in the scripture. I'm going to show you in just a moment. But now God has to do a couple of things to get there. Let me show them to you. 
in chapter 9, chapter 9, he's got to get an apostle now. He's had all these apostles to the Jews. Now he's going to have to get one to the Gentiles. You know what he does? He converts old Saul of Tarsus. And he becomes an apostle to the Gentiles. And buddy, you check it out. He was the man that helped to get the gospel to Coleman, Alabama. Now, wait a minute. That's chapter 9. Isn't isn't this just a coincidence that this is all laying out like this? Now you get to chapter 10. You say, what in the world is in chapter 10 that goes with missions? Well, there's a good Jew in there by the name of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter said, I've never eaten anything that was unclean. I'm a good Jew. And as a good Jew, I detest Gentiles. <laughs> He's over there in Joppa, in chapter 10, goes up. He's hungry, waiting on somebody to get the supper fixed downstairs. Goes into a trance. God drops the sheet, shows him all of these unclean animals. And then God said to him, kill and eat, Peter. And Peter said, not so, Lord. You, do you realize how that statement doesn't work? It's either not so or it's either Lord. But there's no such thing as not so, Lord. If he's Lord, it's not a not so. And if it's a not so, he ain't Lord. Oh, Simon Peter wakes up and there's a knock down on the door. And when they open the door, there's a bunch of Gentiles down there saying the man that is in control of us over in Caesarea, a Gentile, he was praying and God said, go to Joppa and ask for Simon Peter and that Simon Peter would come down to the Gentiles and tell us about this man that will tell us how to go to heaven. Now you say, why in the world is that so important with Simon Peter? Well, if you go back and study the scripture, the Bible said, for whatever reason, I don't know, that might be a good question when we get to glory. But the Bible said that Simon Peter had the keys to the kingdom. And the the door had not yet been unlocked to the Gentiles. Oh, there was a crack there, and there were some things going through the crack and underneath it, but it needed to get opened wide, and Simon Peter needed to get right with God for it to happen. He goes down to Caesarea. You know what happens to Cornelius? Amen? He gets saved. His family gets saved. All of his servants get saved. And then they have a baptismal party like nobody's business. And the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. Now, what happens? Well, I, I want you to look. We've looked at the parenthetical chapters 9 and 10. But I want you to see now number 5 in your notes, the sacrificial church. It's found in Acts chapter 11. What a coincidence again, Acts chapter 11. You get to chapter 11 here, and we're introduced to a church in Antioch. Antioch. Say it with me. Antioch. Antioch. Now, look at me a minute. Look at me a minute. Look at me a minute. The reason Temple Baptist Church is here today is because of the church at Antioch. Let me say that again. The reason that we exist at Temple Baptist Church today is because of the church at Antioch. 
the church at Antioch was willing to do what the church at Jerusalem was not willing to do. And so what God does, he takes from that Jerusalem church and he puts it on that church at Antioch. Now just to, for clarity for all of the melancholies in the room, let me give you a little highlight of chapter 12 real quick. You know what chapter 12 is all about? If you had any question why God was taking the blessing off of the Jerusalem church and giving it to the Antioch church, you just have to read chapter 12. Those guys were having a typical Baptist prayer meeting. Amen? They were praying for something that nobody believed would happen. Come on now. They were praying for something that nobody in the crowd believed would happen. There's a knock on the, hey, 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 Peter's, they're going to kill Peter tomorrow. Little old girl goes to the door and opens the door and there's Simon Peter. She runs in and tells them all, hey, Simon Peter's at the door. And what did they say? Now do you have their spiritual condition? Then we go to chapter 13. Do you know what happens in chapter 13? That church at Antioch, they pray and they fast. And the Holy Ghost of God says you take Paul and you take Barnabas and send them out. Send them out. That's missions, folks. That's why I said to you the reason that that there's a Temple Baptist in Coleman County today is because of the church at Antioch. But Paul goes out and, and Barnabas go out and they're starting all of these Gentile churches. And by the way, every one of them were house churches. They didn't have a big edifice. They didn't have a bunch of property. Man, they were meeting wherever they needed to meet. And you know what those churches did, those Gentile churches? The Bible says they take up an offering. Oh, I, t- I tell you what, I- I'm telling you, the Bible really talks about that offering. Let me, let me help you out just a bit with it, okay? In Acts chapter 11, hang with me now, because I want you to see an offering that the Gentiles are taking up. And it says in verse 29 and 30, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Jerusalem. Whoa! Who are they sending that one to? Relief unto the brethren which dwelt where? That's the Jerusalem church. They're taking an offering for them. Now look at Romans chapter 15 and verse number 26. Romans 15 and verse number 26. Listen to what the Bible says. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia. Now this is an area where all many, many, many Gentile churches were being planted. And it, it, and it pleased them to make a certain contribution. Now watch it. A certain contribution for who? What kind of saints? Whoa! These were the people that had it all. Did they not have it all? They had the mandate. They had the multitude. They had the miracles. They had the money. But they didn't do the mission. And when they didn't do the mission, the consequences were the poor saints at Jerusalem. Wow. Are you riding with me? 
Are we understanding it? You know, I, I think every one of us who are members at Temple, and I am so honored to be a member of this church. I'm so honored to uh, be a part of a church and our pastor and staff. I love these guys. I thank God for them. But, you know, we ought to just thank God that our pastor is leading this church to do the mission. You know why? If we don't do the mission, we will cease to exist. We will cease to exist. And our pastor is saying to us, listen, let me tell you how the mission goes. It starts with us individually and then it, it works with the rest of the church, the church collectively. We have to have a mission in our personal life and we have to have a mission in our church's life. Well, where do we go from here? And I'll bring it, I'll land this baby, okay? Well, you say, Brother Doug, where do we begin? Well, we begin by supporting the Jerusalem ministry. That's where we begin. Now, you're the, probably the brightest uh, in your family. And so we know where the Jerusalem begins is right here at Temple Baptist. This is our Jerusalem, isn't it? And then it spreads on to where I live and where you live and you know, it's hard to imagine, but we've even moved this one up into Decatur. But wherever you live, that's Jerusalem, right? And where our church is our greatest influence, that's Jerusalem, correct? Now, remember I told you how many times I've heard somebody say, well, I'll tell you right now, Brother Doug. There's a lot of needs in Decatur. That's right. There's a lot of needs in Coleman. So what do we do? Let's start right here in Jerusalem. You say, well, how do I start? Well, start with your tithe. Do you realize the tithe is what supports the Jerusalem ministry? Now, most of the people that came to me and said, I'll tell you what, we ought to be thinking about Decatur. Most of them rascals didn't even tithe. They, they weren't supporting anything. But start with the tithe. The tithe is what makes our church what it ought to be. Do you know what I, do, do you realize the greater our Jerusalem ministry is, the farther we can reach into the world with the gospel? Somebody say amen right there. And do you know what, if we're going to grow, we're going to grow the Jerusalem ministry. Listen, we, 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 we've got to make sure that what we do is first class. Man, I, I, I love coming into this facility, don't you? I, I, I know this sounds a little gross, but I don't mind the bathrooms here. I've been into some bathrooms. I was sicker when I came out than I was going in, haven't you? You say, what is, what is it? If you're going to reach Jerusalem, it's got to be first class. And we do that, but all of us who love this place, tithing. And if you don't know what a tithe is, that's 10%. I love the way some business people say, well, I can't figure out what my tithe is. Well, you can figure out what your check is supposed to be when you're on percentages. You know what it is. I know what it is. Amen. And that's the Jerusalem ministry. And by the way, by the way, you, you want, you, you, you say we ought to be concerned about Jerusalem. Then you ought to be a volunteer. 
You ought to be helping us do everything that needs to be done that in this church we can literally be able to have the people and the manpower and the money and the anointing of God to do the mandate. So we start with the tithe, amen? Now you didn't realize your tithe was missions, did you? Huh? Help me now. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, that's the Great Commission. And it starts with Jerusalem, and that's where our tithe begins. I don't know if you ever saw it or not, but there was a, an advertisement where a guy was going to save his company a lot of money on computers. And so it showed that they had all these computers wrapped in duct tape. But he saved them money. That's not how you have a Jerusalem church that reaches Coleman County. We've got to be the best we can be for God. I grew up poor, but I grew up clean. I can still remember my mom and dad saying, I'll tell you right now, we may not have fancy clothes, but we can, we can afford a bar of soap. Talk to me. We can be the best that we can be. Then where do we go from there? Well, then we do what the Bible says. We go to Judea, Samaria, and to the rest of the world. That's missions. You say, how in the world do I give to missions? Well, I'm glad you asked. I am so glad you asked. Because, you know, the Bible tells us how to do it. Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 1 and 2. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. Now, let me just stop and make sure you understand this. This is not the tithe. Remember that offering for the poor saints at Jerusalem? This is what he's talking about. It's a mission offering. Are you with me? Now he says, concerning the collection for the saint, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia. Now, there's many, many of those Gentile churches in that region. And he said, I've given order. How many of you had a daddy that left some orders before he went to work? That had to be done when he got home for it. Anybody have a daddy like that? Yeah, my daddy, if my daddy, if he were today, he'd be in prison. <laughs> and Paul said, I've ordered it. I, I, I've given order. Can, can, can you follow with me for a moment? This mission offering is not a take it or leave it. It's a take it or lose it. There's no option. It's an order. Now look at what he goes on to say. Look at what he goes on to say. Now, upon the first day of every week, let every one of you lay by him in store. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does everyone mean? Hey, how many of you are part of every one of temple? Would you raise both hands? I just wanted to get Pentecostal for a minute. (laughs) Every one of us. It's an order every one of us lay by him in store as what? God has part. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why didn't he say 2%? 5%. Now on the tithe he said 10. But he said here as God has done what? Prospered you. Listen, I don't care what the inflation is. And I'm telling you right now, I don't like the way things are going on in our country any more than anybody else. But I'm telling you right now, we're still the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And we have more than any other country in the world. 
And our standards, even the poor folk of our standards of our country have greater wealth than wealthy people in other countries. As God has prospered you. Has he prospered you? So when you're looking at this mission offering, what do you ask? God, how have you prospered me? And when you ask him, how have you prospered me? He's going to tell you. And when he tells you, just like Pastor said a moment ago in the video, then just do what he told you to do. Just do what he told you to do. And when you do what God has told you to do, God will bless you like no, just incredible what God will do. Well, let me bring it to a close, and I am done. How do we end? Well, do we understand why missions? How many of you would say, preacher, I understand why missions? Help me now. Help me. Do we, do we understand why missions? Do we realize that it's not a, a either or? It's either, it's either receive it or lose it. Amen. How many of us want to see temple here for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren? How many of us want to see temple literally take, uh, take and make an incredible influence in Coleman and Coleman County and then have an influence through the entire world? Then it starts with Jerusalem. Let's start with the tithe. Now, the church I pastored for 34 years, we had a we, we had what I called a giving guarantee. And we did this. Anybody in our church that had never tithed, we said to them, if you'll tithe for 30 days, 30 days, every week, every, every other week, or every month, whenever you get paid, if you'll bring the tithe, then at the end of 90 days, now, now why did we pick 90 days? Let me tell you. I know enough about credit that they won't repossess anything until after 90 days. <laughs> and if you owe on your kids, rest assured, they'll never repossess them. <laughs> and so at the end of 90 days, if God has let you down, we'll give you back every bit of the money you've given. And whatever bills you didn't get paid because you gave to God, you can catch them up when we give it back to you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we did that for 33 of the 34 years. Do you know how many times we had to give the money back? One time. One time. A guy came in. He thought I was lying. He thought I was just preaching and lying. And he came in and said, I want my money back. The treasure, Brother Dustin gave him every bit of his money back. He walked out, made it to the, to the parking lot. And he came back in much faster than he did the first time. And said, man, I need to give this back to you because I'm afraid God will kill me. Now you say, why? How, how can a church do that? Hey, listen, we, we were online. I had, I had people in foreign countries that would send me a letter and say, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to take you up on your guarantee. In foreign countries, I didn't even know who they were. And my geography is so bad. A lot of those countries, I didn't even know where they were. You say, what do you, how much of that money did you have to send back? Never! Because our God 
will always do what he says he will do. All right. You're the easiest, second easiest people in the world to preach to. You really are. We're going to close now. I want you to look at me. I wish we could all just gather around these altars, but there's too many of us to do that. But I want to say this. I want to have a mission in my life. How about you? I want to do the mission. Because I want God to invest in me. I don't want God to take away. I want God to add to me. I want everything God has for me. I want it. How many of you want everything God has for you? Let's get Pentecostal again. Raise them both, okay? There you go. And then secondly, I want to tell you. I want our, and this, this is not one ounce. God knows my heart. This is not one ounce of arrogance when I say this. But I want Temple Baptist Church to be the greatest church that it can be in Coleman County for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want us to have the greatest influence. I want us to reach more people than we can even imagine. I want us to make a difference in Coleman County so that we can make a difference in the world. And by the way, can I say this to you? When God looks at the greatness of a church, He doesn't look at what the attendance was. He doesn't look at how big we are. He looks at how far we have reached into the world with the gospel.